are in a series right now entitled, Hello, My Name Is. And we have been talking about various names of God. And uh, someone has asked, what is in a name? Well, when it comes to God, everything is in his name. We are, there's healing in his name. There's provision in his name. There's peace in his name. There's presence in his name. There, just everything that you and I have need of in our life is found and wrapped up in the covenant names of God. And uh, we have looked at some of these over the last few weeks. Today, I want to talk about another one of God's covenant names. And it is the covenant name of Jehovah Sidkenu. Everybody say that with me. Jehovah Sidkenu. Now, some people pronounce it Tisidkenu, but I think the T is supposed to be silent. Anyway, that's how I learned it, and so that's how you're going to hear it today. Um, Jehovah Sidkenu means the Lord, our righteousness, that God is our righteousness. And uh, remember that scripture in the book of Proverbs where it says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it and are safe. So God's name is righteousness, and he is our righteousness. And when we're in trouble, we run into the righteous, run into his righteousness, and they are safe. Hallelujah. Come on, that's a good word. And so today we're going to be talking about this idea of God being our righteousness. And this name, Jehovah Sidkenu, is found in two places in the book of Jeremiah. So I want to read these two to you. Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 5 and 6 says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which He will be called the Lord our righteousness, or Jehovah Sidkenu. Now I want you to notice those words. And his name by which he shall be called the Lord our righteousness. Now let's look at chapter 33, verse 16. Similar words. It says, in those days Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will dwell safely. And this is the name by which she will be called. Notice in the other verse, it said, this is the name by which he will be called. Here, this prophecy is concerning Jerusalem, or prophetically, we know it's a reference to the true Jerusalem, not that we we don't believe in replacement theology, but we believe that the prophetic, uh, the, the idea behind this is that this is speaking of the true body of Christ, all who would believe in Jesus. And he says that she will be known as the Lord our righteousness. So who he is, is not only who he is for us, but who we are in him. Isn't that good news? I got all kinds of good news today. This is going to be a good news Sunday. Last week was bad news. No. No, it was, it was good news. But this is a good news Sunday, so we're going we're gonna to look at this today. So, Lord, we invite you now to have your way over these next few moments. Teach us and train us and equip us 
God, help us. You know how much we need to understand that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would uh, enlarge our understanding on this in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. So the word Sidkenu comes from a root word which means to be stiff or straight. And it implies this standard or like a ruler by which everything else is measured. God did not achieve some standard of righteousness when it says the the Lord our righteousness. It doesn't mean that God arrived to some standard of righteousness. He is the standard. He is righteous. So when when you look at that root word to be stiff or to be straight, you could say that God is straight, perfectly straight. He is perfect in his nature. To be stiff means that He's unwavering. He doesn't bend. He's not up and down and in and out. He is is who He is. God is righteous. God's righteousness is intrinsic to His nature. What this means is that He can do nothing wrong. Everything He does is right. It's perfect. It is just. It's proper. And it's consistent with all of His other attributes. In other words, He is righteous in His love. He is right in his judgment. He is right in his justice. He is right in his love and his mercy. Everything God does, he's 100% right 100% of the time. We think we're right most of the time. We're not. God is right 100% of the time. Amen. So he's never wrong. He's never dishonest. He's never unfair. He makes no mistakes. He takes no missteps. Because as Psalms 119, 142 says, your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness and your law is truth. You want to know what the truth is? God is right. That's the truth. Amen. So here's the rub though. God is totally righteous. And we, are you ready for this? Put on your seatbelts. We are totally unrighteous. In our human condition, in our humanity, God is right, but we are not right in and of ourselves at all. He is totally righteous. He is straight, and we're crooked as the day is long. Amen. Don't you feel encouraged already? Hang on, it's good news. We got good news. And the problem with this is that a holy and a righteous God cannot tolerate, nor can he relate with, unrighteousness. So, and and this is what he really wants. He wants relationship with his creation. Now, originally, we were created in true righteousness. Originally. Before the fall, before sin entered the world, we were made in the image of God and after his likeness, and we were righteous in that true condition at that time. But sin came into the world, and uh, we became unrighteous and lost relationship with God because he cannot relate with unrighteousness. But God, in his infinite mercy, he provided a way, and this is where we get back to Jeremiah, God made a way 
to bring us back into right relationship with him. Can I get a good amen? And this is what Jeremiah said. He said there's going to rise a branch of righteousness. And what he's referring to is that it looks like it's over for Israel. It looks like they're nothing but a dead, dried up stump and that God's covenant will never come to pass because of the sin and because of all the rebellion. But the Lord promised that a branch would spring forth out of that old dead stump and a branch would grow and produce life And it was a branch of righteousness where God would make a way for people to be right with him again. And it couldn't happen through the Old Testament, Old Covenant. covenant. It had to happen through a new branch that came out of the old, but it was a branch of righteousness. Oh, come on, hallelujah. I'm making myself happy up here. This is what Paul talks about. Anyone who believes on Jesus, they are restored in righteousness with God. Look at 1 Corinthians 1.30. It says, But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. Jesus became for us The way to be in right with God, to be in pure and holy with God, and being freed from the power of sin with God. Woo, come on. I'm about to get Pentecostal up here. Now, God is righteous, and he is our righteousness. And if that's true, then we need to really get a hold of this truth. Many people stumble and struggle in their walk with God because they don't understand what it means to live in Jehovah's Sidkenu. God, our righteousness. So today I want to talk about this idea of what is righteousness. And I want to break it down. And many, much of what I'm going to share with you over the next few moments, you already know a lot of this. But if you sit down and talk to people and really try to dig in, They give you wrong answers all of the time. Amen. I know whereof I speak. I used to be one of those that gave wrong answers all of the time. But God wants us to understand what we are in him. So what is righteousness? First of all, righteousness is, or it means, that we are in right standing with God. It doesn't mean that I'm mostly right Versus being mostly wrong. That's not what it means to be righteous. Righteous means that I am in right standing before a holy, perfect, straight, stiff, if you will, God. I am right in his eyes. When he sees me, he does not see unrighteousness. He sees the righteousness of his son all over me and all through me and all in me. Even in my imperfect humanity and my my flub-ups and my mistakes, to be righteous before God means that I am in right standing with God. Hallelujah. This is so good. 
Because to be righteous or to be, yeah, to be righteous in God is to have the ability to stand in the presence of God without any sense of sin, any sense of guilt, any sense of inferiority. Because of Jesus Christ, I am at peace with God. And I'm righteous. Anybody here believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Every one of you who raised your hand with confidence, you are righteous. Amen. Some of you need to tell your face that. No, I'm, I'm teasing you. So how does this happen? Well, let me break it down. Let me just kind of go through this. I, I know we're going back to kind of kindergarten Christianity, but we got to get this, right? Righteousness, being in right standing with God, comes from God. It does not come from ourselves. Look at what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, now all things are of God. Look at those words. All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And he's given us this ministry of reconciliation. We've got to go out and tell the whole world. The whole world needs to hear this. But what did he do? Look at those words. This is of God. This is not of us. God brought us back to himself through Jesus Christ. Go on to the next verse. It says, for God made him, that is Jesus, who knew no sin to be the sin sacrifice for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus did it. You didn't. And you don't and you can't. Amen. God did this through Jesus Christ. Righteousness was God's idea. It was his initiative. Why? Why? Because Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6 says, But we all, now get this, you got to get this, but we all are, we are all like an unclean thing. And all our righteousness are as filthy rags. You aren't that good. And even if you're good a little bit, you go bad really quick. It's like a dirty, filthy, the best you can do for God or in the presence of God looks like filthiness to God. Amen. This is, Paul said it, he requoted it, he said in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, as it is written, here's what the word says, there is none righteous, no, not one. We are incapable of being right in and of ourselves. We can't make ourselves right with God. So what does this mean? It means that righteousness is a gift that cannot be earned. It's God's gift to you. Everybody say gift. When Jesus came, he was God's gift to the earth, to the world, to you and me. And he says, here's how it works. With him comes my salvation, my redemption, my sanctification, my righteousness, my you being in right standing with me. It's a gift that you cannot earn. 
Righteousness is not a condition we achieve through some human effort. It's a position God places us in when we trust in Jesus. It's not a condition you achieve. It's a position God grants to you and I. Amen. Look at Romans chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. Therefore, as through one man's offense, he's talking about Adam. He says, through Adam's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteousness, that's Jesus, that's the last Adam, that through one man's righteous act, the free gift, everybody say free gift. It's a free gift. The free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, Adam, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many were made righteous. So through, because of Adam's nature in all of humanity, we were all conceived in sin, born into sin, and committed sin, really early in life, and lived a life of sin, and were, by nature, children of wrath. But when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, God's gift of salvation, it says here that it was a free gift. When you trusted in what Jesus did for you on the cross, he made you right. He didn't say he made you so that you'll get right eventually, If you really hang in there long enough, he made you right with God immediately. Amen. We didn't earn this. There's nothing you can do to earn this. There's nothing you can do to achieve this. There's nothing. Hey, here, I got one for you. There's nothing you can do to deserve this. You don't deserve it. In and of yourself, you don't. I don't. Billy Graham didn't. Mother Teresa didn't. Let's throw everybody under the bus. <laughs> Amen. How does this happen? It's a free gift. And this free gift comes to us through faith, not by our works. It comes through faith. Look at what Romans 4 and 5 says. But people are counted as righteous not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. Look at those words. Let that sink in. People are counted as righteous not because of what they do and how well they do it and how long they do it. It's not how, well, then how does it do? It's not your efforts. It's not your works. How, well, then how does it happen? Through faith in God. Trusting in Jesus who did it all for you. Amen. Can I get a good amen out there? You know what the biggest obstacle to us for a person to become righteous in God or for us who have trusted in the Lord to really believe that we are the righteous. You know what the biggest obstacle to this is? Let me just tell you. It's not our sin, and it's not all the flub-ups, and it's not all the falling short and this falling flat on our face. You know, that is not the biggest obstacle. The biggest obstacle is what we call self-righteousness. That's the biggest problem. 
to the unbeliever, they are they actually step in, they live in self, uh, self-righteousness in that they are deceived into thinking that they could get anywhere with God in eternity by just being mo- more good than they are bad. I mean, when you sit down and talk to people and you press them, how do you know that you are going to go to heaven when you die? How do you know that you are saved? How do you know when you press people? When I mean, and this even happens with Christians. When you press people on it, they will come back. Well, you know, I tried to be pretty good. Eh. Big X. Wrong answer. That's not how... That, that's self-righteousness. And, the, and the, uh, the more extreme that becomes, they're, at first they're deceived into thinking that somehow they can do this by their works. But then it turns into defiance. Because when you start saying to people, there's only one way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. They say, well, who are you to tell me that I need to you know, believe that? That's self-righteousness. But listen, us Christians, we can become self-righteous when we're performance-based in our, are you saved? Are you a child of God? Yeah. How you doing? Terrible. I don't think I, I and you ask him, are you righteous? I don't think so. Not today. Maybe tomorrow. But I've been looking at things. I've been thinking things. I've been doing things that are not right. They're not right, so I feel wrong. Therefore, if I feel wrong, I must be wrong. If I've done wrong, I must be wrong. Well, if you're a child of God, you don't jump in and out of God's righteousness because, again, listen, it's not about your works. It's about His work at Calvary. Amen. How does this come? Believer, how does this happen? It didn't come from you. It's a free gift that came to you by putting your trust in Jesus Christ. And that means you are in right standing with God. Now, right standing with God, we have this right standing with God through, number two, right believing in the heart. We are in right standing with God period. How do I come to understand my right standing with God? I've got to start, I got to start believing right. Amen. I got to work on my believer system. Amen. We, righteousness is right believing in the heart. Let's look at Romans chapter 10. Let's look at this. For they don't understand, and they could be People in this room, right now, they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they, watch this, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law or to keep some kind of standard or regulation in their life. If I'm doing it right, then I'm right with God. If I'm messing it up, then I'm not right with God. He said, they, and look at what he says, they don't understand That this isn't how God works righteousness. This is not the way it works. 
because they're clinging to their own way of being in good standing with God. And he goes on and he says, For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him, look at this, are what? Made right with God. How are you righteous? You can't make yourself to be righteous. You've been made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. You didn't make yourself to get better and become more acceptable with God. God made you in good standing with him. Amen. Is this helping anybody? Then he goes on. So he said, let me actually go back to that verse 4. He says, as a result, all who believe in him, believe in him, trust in him, are made right with God. Then we go down to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. And it says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? That's how you're saved. You believe in your heart, in what Jesus did for you. Verse 10, for it is by, look at it, believing in your heart that you're made right with God. That's how you're made right with God. It's right believing in the heart. We are made right with God. So he says, it is by believing in your heart that you were made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Can I just say something to you? Stop trying to get right with God and believe you are right with God. I've spent a lot of my Christian life, oh God, God don't leave me now. God, I'm such a screw up. Now there's a place for honest grieving and you know, just kind of coming to the realization that you're maybe not where you need to be, but where I, I spent a lot of time in my brain trying to get right with God and failing to fully understand I am right with God. And we do this with people sometimes when they come and they confess their sin, and that's, okay, that's good because the Bible says there's healing in that, but we take them through and we almost take them all back to the beginning and say, well, you got to get right with God. you got to stop doing this and you got to start doing that. When really what we need to take them to is this verse of Scripture and says, you are right, right now with God. Amen. Say, so, well, what if I stumble and fall? Well, let's talk about that. What if I lust? What if I give somebody the middle finger? I know nobody here does that. Don't look at each other too long. What if I yell at my wife? What if I kick my dog? What if I, what if I do whatever? Okay, what, what, well, what about that? Well, let me tell you what about that. Proverbs 24, verse 16 says, for though the righteous 
fall seven times, they get back up. Amen. For though the righteous, he didn't say for those who fell from righteousness. That's not what it says. He said, though the righteous fall, what do righteous people do? You get back up and you move on. Why? Because you were made right with God. Amen. See, some of us carry in ourselves what I've struggled with, and I would call it sin consciousness. Instead of having a clear conscience or a clean conscience, I, as a Christian, for many years grappled with this, what I would call it, being so conscious of my sin, right? Now, our conscience is that constant inner debate Right, wrong, good, evil. You know, is this right? Is this wrong? And we're constantly rehashing the last 24 hours of the last seven days. And sometimes when we look and we spend a lot of time on areas where we fall short, we start, we, we develop what the Bible calls an evil conscience. In other words, we have a conscience that is focused on kind of our, our actions, maybe, that don't line up with the Word of God. And we are more sin-aware than saved-aware. We're more curse-minded than blessed-minded. And, and, and a lot of us struggle with it. Like if I said it earlier, so, but let me say it again. If I were to sit down and ask you, are you righteous? Truly, now you don't, I don't want you to answer me out loud, but if, if I were to really sit down, hey, are you a righteous person? Maybe now after about 20, about 30 minutes of preaching, uh, you would have a different answer. But if I asked you if you were righteous, you would, your answers would be a lot like, well, I don't know, you know, I don't know. You know, I wouldn't want you to see too much of what happened this last week. Or we would give this kind of cliche Christian answer. Well, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Well, I just want to, I, I just want to say this. No, no, um, no disrespect to AA. But this is an AA. We're not drunks. We're not addicts. Hear me. We're not sinners saved by grace. The, that you'll find that phrase nowhere in the Bible. We are saints. We are righteous. Amen. Now, I, I, I want to go back. Let me just say this. I, don't, I mean no disrespect to, to AA. If that's working for you, that's great. I applaud that. Stay with that program. But what needs to happen in our understanding is I'm not this. I am this. Now, I struggled with that, and maybe even today, I struggle with this, but here's who I am. I'm not a sinner saved. I'm saved. I used to be a sinner. I'm a saint. That's in the Bible. I know the Catholic Church tells you you only become a saint if you levitate. 
And um, what are some of the other things? Work miracles? Yeah. Now, guess what? We all get to be saints. Amen. And how did that happen? Not because of you. Because of Jesus. And so, I remember not too long ago, I was, (laughs) I'm going to confess something here. I was, I kept waking up in the middle of the night. And now, when I wake up in the middle of the night, I immediately, my brain, this is my tendency, I immediately go to, what did I do wrong? And I start rehashing yesterday or, you know, and and I and I feel myself kind of get, getting buried in these like I would say I would demonic disturbing thoughts, like I'm, I, God must be waking me up because He's trying to get through to me, and I'm just this you know something's wrong. Now Julie, she wakes up in the middle of the night, and she gets lists of what we're going to do tomorrow. <laughs> I wake up and I get lists of how evil I am. I'm like, why can't I wake up in the middle of the night like that? She's solving the world's problems. And it's a list for me. I wake up and I'm thinking, oh, why did I say that? Oh, why did I do that? Oh. And I, I had a moment a few weeks ago where I woke up and I started and I said, literally, something came over me. And it was like, I don't know if this was prompted by the Holy Spirit, but I said, I literally said it. Julie's over there sleeping. God, is this really you? Are you putting me, are you putting me through this? And without hesitation, I felt like, and I said it, I said what I feel like was prompted. This isn't me at all. And then I began to thank God for who he made me to be. And I began to praise him right there in in the midnight hour. (laughs) And I began to love him. And since then, I've been doing pretty good. But you you know what that is? That's sin consciousness. It's being more aware of your foibles and your flub-ups than it is of his faithfulness. God is good, isn't he? Look at these words. Let me, let me give you these words. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. How do I have boldness to go into God's presence? Through the blood of Jesus. He said, going on, he said, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of our faith, having our hearts sprinkled from, look at it, an evil conscience. Come on, get that out of your brain. Get that out of your thinking. Jesus' blood is all over you. That's how you're accepted. That's how you're righteous before God. Amen. And our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. 
Even when I'm not always faithful, he is. Amen. 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 So, what is righteousness? Righteousness, first of all, is right standing with God. And that comes through right believing in the heart. And then it is for, number three, right living in the world. To be right with God comes through right believing in the heart. And the purpose of this is for right living in the world. Now, we can't get this backwards. Listen to me, church. Don't start with, I got to live right. Then we've already settled this, I hope, class, right? Number one is literally today, number one. Number two is number two, and number three is number three. These are the order for us, I believe, through Scripture. Through the revelation of God's Word, the order is, through faith in Jesus Christ, I am right with God. And I believe this in my heart. I'm not going to beat myself down and run myself through the ringer and try to please God through my efforts. No, I am right with God. Therefore, I am called to right living in the world. See, I am positionally righteous with God. That's where I'm at. I am positionally righteous with God, but that means that that's going to manifest through my life and through my living practically. Amen. Now, where's those amens? I said, where are those amens? But you, do, you, don't, you can't get this backwards. Practical righteousness. What does that look like? Well, here's, let me show you 1 John chapter 2, verse 29. If you know that Jesus is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. He goes on later and says in chapter 3, verse 10, that if we don't practice righteousness, that that's a clear indication that we probably haven't truly been born of God. Not because we earn God's favor through our righteous deeds, but he wanted us to understand if you've had a genuine encounter with God and he's made you righteous, then that's going to have an outgrowth in your life and everything you say and do. You can't ride the fence. You can't play games. This is not like I got my get out of hell ticket. I'm good. I said a prayer some long time, you know, and now I can just kind of continue on. This is why Paul said in another place, he said, why, why who, who, what, who, who taught you that because of God's grace, we could just go on sinning. He said, God forbid. That's not the way it works. You are right with God through Jesus Christ. Now, he spends a good portions of all of his letters saying, here's how righteousness looks. In your marriage, with your children, with your neighbor. Amen. The most important evidence that someone truly belongs to the Lord is their conduct and their behavior. Amen. Now, it isn't about, I'm not talking about attaining some kind of level of perfection in this life, but it is a process. We are in process. Amen. We are, we're on our way. Amen. And God is helping me 
to let go of some things. God is helping me to overcome some things. God is, and I'm, he's helping me to make right decisions and right choices that used to be a real struggle for me. Amen. Here's what Paul wrote to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.22. Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Look at those words. Can we just meditate on the Bible just for a second? Going back to the first part of that verse, Carrie. He says, run. Wait, can we read this together? Oh, wait a minute. Let me, let me join you. Ready? Ready? Run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faith, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Wow. That's pretty clear, isn't it? I mean, you can't, like, get confused when you read that verse. Right? Pretty clear, I think. What does it mean to pursue righteous living? Well, in, here's, how, here's how we can put, begin to put this into practice in our life. We need to, first of all, avoid things that cause temptation in our life. He said, run from anything that stimulates, that stimulates youthful lusts. Avoid things that cause temptation. Now, let me just say something. There's no way that you're never going to be tempted. <laughs> We're all, I'm not saying avoid temptation. Don't go around temptation. No. Avoid things that cause us to become susceptible to the temptations that come. He said, he said run away from things that stimulate Temptation. Temptation is a part of life. You're not going to stop it from happening to you. Oh, come on. There's only three of us in the room that are tempted? You can't stop temptation. It's coming. He said, I've been temptation-free all week. Wait till tomorrow. It's going to get bad. You're not going to be able to stop it. But we need to take careful steps to help us not to fall into it. Listen, if you're paying attention, you know what triggers you. And if you don't, you need to get educated. You know what triggers you. If you're really paying attention, and so you got to take those necessary safeguards to prevent, you know, falling into it. You know, like, I don't know, I shouldn't go to meddling. I trust the Holy Spirit to give you application. Amen. Avoid it. If this is causing you to slip and stumble back into the same thing, and then you go, oh, God, I don't know why I can't, you know. Because you're not running, baby. You need to run, baby. That's what you got to do. I love what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 34. He said, I love this, awake to righteousness and do not sin. 
He said, every morning you wake up, you need to wake up and realize you're righteous. And therefore, I'm going to exercise this in my life. I'm not going to give place to sin in my heart. Amen. Why? Because I am righteous. Not because I'm trying to earn it. Amen. I got to move on. Number two, we're talking about how to live righteously in the world. We need to seek God's righteousness. He said, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, peace. That's, that's God's stuff. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else in your life that you need will be added. But we need to be pursuing God's righteousness in our life. How many of you know that it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom? He wants you and I to possess and to have everything that he's designed for us, but we have to pursue that and seek that out. One of the ways that we do that, we get into God's word, and we let God's word be our standard. We let God's word show us how to live this out, because Paul said that God's word is profitable uh, and, and gives us instruction for righteousness. In other words, God's word shows us the right choices to make, the right decisions, the right people, the right things. Amen. And then the last thing we saw in 2 Timothy was we right living in the world means we need to surround ourselves with like-minded people. He said, if you remember, in uh, 2 Timothy 2, he said, Run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteousness, righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace, and enjoy. Everybody say enjoy. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. In other words, get you around yourself people who love God and love you. Amen. People who can spur you on in your faith. People who will speak truth to you when you're off your rocker. Amen. People who will be there to be a help and a friend. You're going to have to change companionship. Because a lot of Christians get drugged down um, in in their walk with God because of the wrong kind of companionship or people in their life. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? He's like, he's saying, you're righteous. And that's not what you are. And it's not that God doesn't love them and want to do a work in their life, but you can't make that your partnership. you got to get in the circle of friends and people in your life that are going to help you live out what God has worked in you. Amen. Aren't you glad today that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? You are right with God. Can we just stand together? Can I have the prayer folks come on up here and be prepared to pray with anyone? And uh, if you need prayer for anything today, you can come and receive prayer. If you need a healing touch or if you need or if something we talked about in this message today, 
Or, hey, listen, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today would be a great day to do that. To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. He's here today. And um, you can come and receive him today. But can we just lift our hands in honor to the Lord right now? Just want to thank him. Just thank him right out loud that he made you righteous. Lord, we love you today. And we thank you that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God, I pray that we would just be cleansed from an evil conscience that is constantly doubting, constantly struggling, constantly rehashing, dredging up past, maybe even dredging up present. Lord, I pray today that we would understand who you made us to be and that we would live this out every day of our life. God, thank you that we are in right standing with you. Now, Lord, help us to live right in the world. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Come for prayer if you need it.